Okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch Buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Live from the Octin Community Studios on this Friday morning. It is the Wolf and Luke Show. Luke Lipinski here, Wolf to my right. Wolf, what's going on? Oh, my goodness. It just feels so weird, doesn't it? Knowing it is a football Friday, it is definitely here. Yet at the same time, wait a minute, they're not playing until Monday. And it's not even Monday. It's Monday night. It just feels weird. It really does. What feels weird is I almost just locked myself out of the building two minutes ago. That, what happened on that, man? You're you're roaming around the building? Is that what it is? And you don't have security clearance? I walk in here before you and I'm like, you know, obviously I'm more prepared than Wolf. I got in the studio before him and everything. Right. I'm like, oh, I don't have my headphones or my mic stuff. Like, I don't have anything to do the show. I don't know what I've been doing for the last few hours. Okay. Okay, I better run down to the car. I got like four minutes till the show starts. Okay. Run out the door. Oh, I don't. I didn't bring my phone or my wallet, so I don't have a way to get back in the building or call anybody. Are you kidding me? No. You literally did not. You walked out of the building, yes. and you were in, in fact, locked out. The second the door shut, I was like, "Uh oh!" Like it was like a movie. Like, wait, no, don't. Oh, the door shut. Because of course, you need the pass to yes, get in. You need here. the pass. This is an important building. You just don't walk around. So then this I was. Place. Like, I just found that out the hard Tell way. people to pick stuff up. You don't do that. <laughs> so then I was like, all right, I'll just call Aaron. Somebody will let me in. Oh, I left my phone in the studio too. So, yeah. But you here were I am. Masked right there. Here I, I mean, am. It really is right. And now you're ready to go. You're ready to broadcast. Ready to it is. It's a football yep. Friday, man. Even though the Cardinals don't play until Monday night, it is a football Friday. Is it not Baker Mayfield? <laughs> I'm just saying. Stop it. More on this as the show unfolds, though. Oh yeah, we'll get to Baker. That was uh, <laughs> that's quite the performance. As I last answer night. myself, uh, let's start though with just the simple. We would like to go big picture on the Friday before a game, Wolf. And, you know, you, I guess, are technically still in the playoff race. They can be eliminated with a loss this week. I'm not looking at it that way. What I am looking at is Bill Belichick and a desperate Patriots team are coming to town. Nobody wants to play the role of spoiler, especially this early in the season. I mean, relatively early. It's still early December. But you have a chance to play spoiler against the best coach of all time and one of the most successful franchises of all time, and definitely the most successful over the last 20 years. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, I, I honestly, uh, if you're going to look at the one game, I guess uh, there's no doubt about it. It's um, it's one of five. I cannot help but look at the the remainder of the season as a whole, as a collective right now. It's not just the New England Patriots. And I, I know your point. I get your point. This is Bill Belichick. He carries an awful lot of weight. He's the greatest head coach in the history of the National Football League. I don't think there's any dispute about that. I think it is what it is. The guy's won six rings, Super Bowl rings. Um, we know how great his teams have been over the years. But for me, I cannot look at it as just one game. It's part and parcel 
to the rest of the season, which for the Arizona Cardinals, it's not about the playoffs for me. It is literally about finding Kyler Murray and this offense that you can evolve going into the offseason well, and then build on it. I think that's going to be tougher this week. Than, like, you look at these last five games, if you want to do it that way, I still think there is something to beating Brady. There's still something to beating the 49ers if they're playing their players in Week 18. There's something to beating Bill Belichick. You know, look, when you go to Denver, Is there really anything to beating Nathaniel Hackett? If you put up 19, you're going to win the game. We already know how this works. But if you're talking about finding Kyler Murray, I think this is going to be a tough week to find Kyler Murray because I do respect the Patriots' defense quite a bit. Yeah, you know, once again, I think maybe from a fan's perspective, looking at it and saying, man, there's something to beating Tom Brady. There's something to beating Bill Belichick. Maybe from a fan's perspective, you're right about that. Hopefully, as a player, you're not thinking about that. And once again, this is my problem right here. I'm I'm 60 years old, ladies and gentlemen, Ron Wolfley reporting, and yet I think like a player. And I always will think like a player. So, once again, and I make no apologies about that, once again, um, I, beating Bill Belichick, that I, I don't care. As a player, I don't care. Beating Tom Brady, I don't care. I'm, what I care about is actually playing the best football I can possibly play in the next game, which is against the New England Patriots, no doubt about it. Um, and then the next game after that, and the next after that, and finishing this season strong. And that's that's what I'm focused on right now. Um Does it carry any extra weight beating the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick to the fans that are out there? Yeah, I think so. Maybe to Cliff Kingsbury, personally, for Cliff, with his relationship with Bill Belichick, and um, the fact that Cliff Kingsbury is the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, would that mean something to him? I'm sure that it would, personally, to Cliff Kingsbury. Yet for me, once again... There is bigger fish to fry, isn't there? Well, I think Cliff at this point is so desperate for a win, he would take a win over Steve Belichick. Like, it doesn't really matter. He just wants a win at this point. But I I guess what you said right there of how important it is to find Kyler Murray in these final few games, it's kind of an interesting dynamic. Not a great one. But, I mean, if you are a defensive player on this team that is playing for your – do you really care – if you develop Kyler Murray, yeah. if I'm a defensive player on this team that's going to be a free agent or doesn't know if I'm going to be back here next year, I really am just kind of playing for myself at this point. Sure. And that's a dicey proposition sometimes in terms of wins and losses for a whole team. Yeah, you know, I really don't think so because, yeah, yeah I don't. Philosophically, once again, um, ladies and gentlemen, the National Football League is the biggest mercenary league on the face of the planet. It's every man for himself. I know we love we love this whole, you know, as a team, we're going to come together and we're going to be a team and, and we're going to go out there and we're going to play for each other. And you've heard me talk about this before. Uh, as soon as I hear a guy talk about how he's going to play for me, I know he's going to be the guy that will quit first. Okay? If that really is your motivation to play for me, (laughs) buddy, that's okay, man. You worry about yourself. You worry about your job. Do your job. That is interesting that Bill Belichick, of course, is the one that made that famous. Do your job. That's what it comes down to ultimately. So, yeah, you know what? I I want a bunch of guys to go out and play as hard as they possibly can. And I really do believe, Luke, 
We're going to see it. But don't you think it's going to be different? Like, I don't disagree with you in, on the idea that we may see a bunch of guys now playing for their futures either here or around the league, and maybe that gets us a better effort or a better result from this Cardinals team. But don't you think it's going to look different now that you're not all playing for the same greater goal? Like, there's there's no – you can't go into this game. You can't in the locker room be like, okay, let's get this back on track. You know, the goal is the Super Bowl like it is at the start of the year. The goal's not the Super Bowl anymore. Yeah. So even if it ends up being a better result on Monday, isn't it going to look kind of different? Does it matter, you know? Does it really matter? It doesn't. Maybe maybe it matters if it looks better. That's <laughs> kind of where I'm going. I, I, I'm just saying, you know, does it really matter? Because, once again, as we were talking and, and have been discussing all week long, there are two types of veterans. Those that want to be back with the Arizona Cardinals in 2023 and those that do not. But as far as the five games that are left right now, um, we're going to see, I would imagine, their best. And even the young guys, even the young guys, this is the time of year right here. A lot of times you'll see these young guys hit the wall right about now. We saw <laughs> hit, it last year. Right, exactly. Hit the wall right about now. So my eyes are really looking at a young guy like Zabin Collins. Zabin Collins, who didn't have a ton of reps last season, had a lot of reps this season, didn't have a ton of reps last season, nowhere close to the reps that he's gotten this season. How does Zabin Collins finish? What is Zach Allen thinking right now? What is Byron Murphy thinking, these guys, that know this is it right now? This is, will they be extended? Have they been talking to the Arizona Cardinals with their agent. I, I don't know, but the young guys developing and continuing to ball out, I think all of this is going to come together for the Arizona Cardinals in terms of effort, and I would expect them to play well over the next five weeks. If you are one of those people that believes in things coming full circle, this is exactly the week when things started to flip the wrong way for the Cardinals last year. A year ago at this time, they're 10-2. and two. Yeah. Made the reference that Cliff Kingsbury was second in, in Vegas for Coach of the Year odds a year ago at this time, going into Week 14. And then obviously it has been a complete 180 ever since then for this team. And going back to that, going back to last season, knowing it was two years in a row, that was an all-is-well all is well. We're ten and two. Just relax, everybody. We're gonna be fine. Well, it wasn't. This is a completely different vibe, isn't it? We come back. What does K Ray want to see from the Suns when they take on the New Orleans Pelicans tonight? And then again on Sunday, we're gonna ask the Suns broadcaster for Bally Sports next. It's game day with K Ray on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Pass it in from the corner. Wolf and Luke brings the boom and catching bodies on his way to the rack. Sons, game day with K Ray. I'm ready for whatever. I'm ready for whatever. All right, big one tonight for the Suns, and a big one Sunday for the Suns. Wolf, it's almost like we get two game days with K-Ray in one because we're not going to talk to him again before Sunday, and the Suns are playing the same team on Sunday. So, so weird. Uh, Phoenix now not the number one seed in the Western Conference anymore. That distinction belongs to the New Orleans Pelicans, who the Suns are visiting tonight and Sunday. Joining us on the Arizona Sports Line is Kevin Ray of Bally Sports. K-Ray, what's going on? What is happening, fellas? Happy Friday to you. Indeed, man. Okay. Appreciate you joining us, Kay. When you think of this game, what we're about to see tonight, where does your brain go? Ooh. Um, 
You know, it's uh, it's not beignets, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it it goes to, I think, you know, you'd say maybe the inevitable um, because we we all felt and saw last year, guys, even prior to the to the playoff uh, appearance between these two teams, that this is a a New Orleans team that is certainly trending in the right direction. And I thought the moment they hired Willie Green, that was step number one. Uh, but they've done a great job in assembling talent, both young and old. And uh, this is a team that is taking some significant strides. You know, they got off to kind of a, a slow start, uh, began the season six and six. They are ten and two in the last twelve games, including that five game win streak. And uh, you know, have done it without Brandon Ingram. He'll be sidelined again tonight. And Herb Jones is also sidelined tonight. Uh, so they they've got depth. Uh, we saw that on display last year with a number of rookies, uh, a couple of undrafted rookies who played significant roles. So uh, this is a team, they, they are here now, and they're going to be here for a while. Talking to Kevin Ray of Bally Sports. Uh, okay, these two games, tonight and Sunday, I don't want to overreact. They almost feel like a crossroads for this season. I think we all think the Suns are going to figure out whatever has happened these last couple games and whatever's going on against Dallas. But it feels like if you go out there and you could win two against the Pelicans, and that would all of a sudden get you right back on track now. Whereas if you struggle against this team, it might take a little longer to get back on track. And, and Willie Green has performed. He's gotten his team to perform pretty well against the Suns in the not-too-distant past. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And look, beyond the result, I mean, but let's be honest, coming off of the last two performances, the Suns want and need a win. But that aside, guys, it's getting back to, you've heard Monty say it numerous times, the standard, and getting back to the little details. And, and EJ pointed this out the other night, and I think in looking back he was spot on, that this little, this little malaise started against Houston. You know, they, they blew a 16-point lead against Houston. And and you know this, Wolf, when you hear coaches in practice preach the same thing day after day after day. And sometimes as players and athletes, you're like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. But then when you go out and you don't do all those little details, the results speak for themselves. And I think that's kind of where the Suns have found themselves. So they lost to Houston, blowing that 16-point lead. And I think that the the blowout win over San Antonio was really uh, – it gave them this false sense of, like, see, everything's fine. You know, we bounced back and won the way we were supposed to. And then they encountered two teams who have different missions for different reasons this year. And the Suns paid a price for it. Uh, they had they we arrived in New Orleans yesterday, uh, late yesterday afternoon, early evening. They had a practice, and I think because they were finally able to have like a, a full practice, that that is step number one in getting back to a lot of those little details that I think had kind of slipped through the cracks. So even beyond the the win or loss tonight, it is can you see them getting back to the standard of play and doing all those little things that that the Suns standard has been set to. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting, Kay, because I, I go back and I think of the last two games that they played and how bad they've looked in those last two games. And the common denominator to me is physicality. And I thought yep. the Mavs were physical, Kay, and I thought the Celtics were very physical, of course. And I think of the Pelicans. These are the guys who started that whole thing, I think. 
about being a very physical team in the postseason in the series against the Suns. So I'm very interested to see how the Suns respond to that challenge, that physicality challenge tonight. No, you you are spot on, Wolf, and and I think that's where probably um, Monty Williams was most. You know, I think I can use the word disappointed. Is that there was no or very very little resistance from his team, um, and you know once they got down by double digits, it was like kind of dropping the shoulders. And you remember when Steve Kerr was talking about the Warriors uh, when the Suns ran them off the floor, and Steve Kerr said. You know, what I saw was heads dropping, shoulders dropping, and bad body language, and guys feeling sorry for themselves. And the reality is, you know, no, nobody out there in the league is going to help you. You know, the Suns, the Suns have been on the, the other end of that, delivering plenty of those embarrassing losses. So this is up to them. Devin Booker said as much afterwards. It's like, look, you know, this loss, speaking specifically to Boston, felt like two. He said, fortunately, it's only one. But, you know, you got to flush it, but more importantly, you got to go look yourself in the mirror and say, am I doing everything I should be doing? And then are we as a team collectively doing everything we should be doing? And I think we'll start to, to see some of those answers hopefully tonight. Dr. Kevin Ray of, uh, of Bally Sports. K. Ray, this matchup with New Orleans, the Suns won the, the meeting earlier this season. There were a lot of guys missing from that game. Zion, I mean, it feels like it's been forever since I've seen the Suns play against Zion. How different is this Pelicans team when he's out there? Well, I can tell you how different they've been in the last five games uh, because Zion is looking like the guy who, you know, should have been the number one overall pick. 28 points, nearly 10 rebounds. He's got three double-doubles. Um, he, he's playing with great force. Willie Green is putting the ball in his hands in certain situations. And he just he creates some nightmarish situations. But, yeah, you're, you're right, Luke. It's funny, just in, in doing game prep this morning, this will only be the fourth time that Zion has been on the floor against the Suns. Unbelievable. Uh, so, so that speaks to, you know, just how many games he has missed. And the timing of the games that he's missed have seemed to coincide with the Suns. Well, Suns aren't dodging him tonight. So we'll, we'll see what kind of answer they've, uh, they've got for him. Boy, that makes me a little unsettled when I think of, <laughs> when I think of that right there with Zion, of course, and Jonas Valanciunas as well. Uh, this guy has also had a very physical presence against the Suns, man. This is a game, I, I'm sorry, but I look directly at DeAndre Ayton for the physicality tonight that the Suns need to bring to the floor. Where, where do you go? Yeah, look, I mean, I, I said on the, the telecast the other night, uh, you know, and, and look, DA kind of set this up coming off of the player of the week honors, saying he wants to be an all-star. And Monty even acknowledged that they've had this discussion. And Monty, you know, acknowledging with DA, it's like, look, this is this is the standard that you set, but this is also the level that you have to play if you want to be an all-star. So, and not to just, you know, completely, you know, uh, point out DA's performance, but if you want to be an all-star, those games against Boston, when it's a nationally televised game, when you've got an East Coast team where all those East Coast eyes are on you, Man, you got to go ball out. 
And tonight is really no different. You've got Zion on the other side. He's, you know, garnered all the attention. So if you want to be an all-star and if you want to be considered a great player, not just a really good player, these are the games that you have to bring it, starting with, as you point out, Wolf, the physicality. Gary, okay, well said as always, man. Thank you for the time. Thank you, bro. You got it, boys. Have a great weekend. All right, you too. That's Kevin Ray of Bally Sports joining us right there. That's a great one tonight. Suns Pelicans. And then a great one Sunday. Suns Pelicans. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Uh, when we come back, weird game last night. Did Baker Mayfield just once again prove it's the play or it's the player? We'll get into it Thursday night. Football is next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Football Friday with Wolf and Luke. Presented by 72 Soul. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. How's that for a Thursday night football game? Last night, two teams that uh, went in, probably not going to make the playoffs. And now neither one of them is going to make the playoffs. The Rams are already out. The Raiders still had an outside shot. And they had a 16-3 lead in the fourth quarter, Wolf, and could not stop Baker Mayfield and the Rams, a guy that wasn't on the Rams three days earlier. What a what a what just a strange finish last night. Yeah, where do you begin on this the one? Last drive. Um, honestly, I've never seen anything like it in my life. Really? Never. A quarterback in the National Football League that wasn't even there 48 hours, a full 48 hours with the Rams for not even a full 48 hours, and he went out there and actually won a game. And in the way he won it, by orchestrating a two-minute drill (laughs) with no timeouts from his own two-yard line. Stop it. Is there a more confusing quarterback in the NFL than Baker Mayfield. And look, it's not like him winning that game last night suddenly means Baker's back. But again, two years ago, he wasn't a bad quarterback. Last year he was. This year he's been horrible. And yet last night, uh, he sounded as as in disbelief as anybody after the game. I mean, it's not like... It's not like they were able to grind out a, you know, a 14 to 13 win. He led them on a 98 yard drive in the final two minutes. Now the Raiders helped him with a couple dumb penalties, but still. With some penalties and some incredible catches, but there were good throws by Baker Mayfield as well. He made plays. You can't, I I cannot deny that he made plays. Here's the one thing that just blew my mind. Um, you know, we were talking about would we even see Baker Mayfield? Remember? Yeah. Did we, are, are we even going to see there Baker Mayfield? There were people Mayfield? that thought that was crazy and 24 I just, hours ago. Exactly right. And I, I just had this feeling that, yeah, we're, we're going to see him. But I never believed it was going to be snap number four of the game that we saw him. <laughs> snap number four. <laughs> Seriously. John Wolford handed the ball off three times. and Okay, that's it. You're out. And here comes Baker Mayfield. Oh, my goodness. And the guy, (laughs) Baker Mayfield, the one thing you can say, the guy got better as the game went on, didn't he? (laughs) He got better as the game unfolded. He completed 15 of his 20 passes. Of the 20 passes he completed, 15 of them were in the fourth quarter. (laughs) I mean, he got better. It just blew my my I couldn't help thinking watching the game wolf because he has been such a strange player the last uh, couple seasons how much of this 
has been or is mental because he didn't have enough time to think about it. He just went out there and played last night. And again, it wasn't like some Hall of Fame performance. <laughs> no. But but he was I mean, it was good enough to win a football game in the NFL against the Raiders team that had won a couple in a row and was very much back in the playoff picture. It's almost like those pitchers that are like, yeah, I didn't know I was starting. They told me like right before the game, and, and it almost helped because I didn't have time to get in my own head. That's sort of what it felt like watching Baker Mayfield last night. He didn't have time to overthink it. He was just playing football. Would you say it looked like he was running like five or six plays? Exactly. But that, but that, you can win a football game doing that. What's interesting about it, you make a great point, Luke, because um, I was talking about this a little bit yesterday that Sean McVay, as we all know, he was going to run the Jer- Jared Goff offense. And guess what? There it was. Baker Mayfield under center so much of the time. And here come the five or six plays. The tackle zone. Oh, we're going to go ahead and run the ball. We're going to run it up the middle. We're going to attack the line of scrimmage. And then we're going to go ahead and have what? Bootlegs. We'll have waggles. How many How many bootlegs did you actually see off of play action? Oh, my goodness. Over and over and over again. It happened. And... It just goes to show you what, Basinonians, what? Execution is what it's all about. When you hear players say execution, everyone thinks it's a play. It's the play, it's the play, it's the play. No, it isn't. Sometimes it, it is true. Sometimes it is the play. But more times than not, beating an opponent in the National Football League is about your players executing a scheme. Do you think that the Raiders knew what was coming from the Rams and Baker Mayfield by the fourth quarter? Yes, they did. They knew exactly what the Rams were going to do. Probably and they couldn't, the second quarter. And they couldn't stop it because of the execution. And let's, let's be clear here. The Rams didn't have Cooper Cup. They don't have Aaron Donald on. This is a beat-up Rams team. This is a stripped-down Rams team that went out there and was able to come back on the Raiders. And, yeah, it's something that you've been saying for years, Wolf, that at a certain point you just need to go out there and actually execute the plays, whatever the plays are. That wasn't fancy at all last night. Nobody watched that Rams game and was like, oh, what a beautiful play. They revolutionized the sport. Look at all these different... No, you know what they did, though? They won a football game. They won a football game. kind of fun watching it. They looked like they were having fun winning a football Football game. Yes, even though the Raiders knew exactly what was coming, even though the the Rams' offensive line is an absolute mess, they knew exactly what was coming. And you know what? They went out there and they executed and they got it done. Now listen, um, a couple of those throws, Ben Skoranek, his catch, <laughs> okay, his catch into double coverage, yeah. and it was just a corner actually carrying the fade and a safety playing over the top. I hate it when somebody says double coverage. Because it was just a, a, a zone is what they were playing and the responsibilities thereof of those defenders in the zone room. So it looked like it was double coverage when it was not double coverage. Anyways, I digress. <laughs> I feel like double coverage is an easier way to say it, even if it's not accurate. <laughs> You're right, but it drives me crazy because <laughs> it's, it's not, not accurate. accurate. Yeah, it's like the basin. It's This is not a valley. It's not accurate. Scratch your butt as soon as you say it's a valley. There, Go ahead and do it. What you're saying is is the Raiders weren't double covering Ben Skoranek last yes. night. That wasn't their game plan. But it was so interesting. What a catch he made. It was not, yeah. What an incredible catch he made. And bit. Baker laid it out there for him to go get it. And Van Jefferson on the touchdown. What an incredible catch and an incredible throw that was. So, you know, man, it, it just was a great reminder that it's players 
not the play. Here's Sean McVay uh, after the game. I can't take credit. I mean, that was him making plays. I mean, the guys made plays, too. I thought just some of the opportunity throws. They were playing a lot of man coverage in those situations, and guys were able to win. I mean, you know, the, the catch down our sideline where Ben Skoranek goes up over somebody, even to be able to give Van Jefferson the attempt when we were still backed up to draw the P.I., um, you know, and then when you got to get the ball into the end zone with 15 seconds left and no timeouts for Van Jefferson to be able to win. Unbelievable job right there. Malcolm Brown on a check down and and really you know the credit goes to the players they they made it all happen they brought those things to life that's how it always is and um you know it was really uh it's a whirlwind and i'm, I'm really happy for those guys hey, well if i'm going to speak to everybody in the audience that isn't you okay yeah everybody that's been sitting out there on your fantasy football waiver wire all season just beat the raiders last night <laughs> that's what it is <laughs> you know can i just ask right now um it's so interesting to hear uh sean mcveigh actually speak on that patrick Graham is the defensive coordinator, of course, for the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, why were you not screaming at your corners when you were playing man cover? Get back. Don't press. Get off the press. I mean, you had what? Huh? 20 seconds? What was it? 16 seconds? Uh, it didn't what are you doing walking up and pressing Van Jefferson? Van Jefferson just went ahead and converted and give Baker Mayfield all sorts of credit on this base earnings because he looked at the safe, the safety. It was a cover two shell with a press corner walked up over Van Jefferson. And what happened? That cover two safety went to the middle of the field and he knew right away. Aha! I've got a singled up receiver in Van Jefferson right here. He knew that, Luke. Yeah. He knew that. And threw that ball up there for Van Jefferson, and he went, and he got it, and it was a touchdown, and you won the game because of that. What are you doing pressing in that situation? I, Patrick Graham, I'm sure Josh McDaniels wants to know that answer today. Well, in the Rams, I mean, the just euphoria of just winning a football game. You watch the end of that, and you're like, it'd be nice to see the Cardinals do that on Monday. Just You just won a football game. The Rams are not going to the playoffs because they won that game. Don't even start with, oh, they hurt their draft stock because they don't have the pick. They hurt Detroit's draft stock with that win last night. But it was just, you could see on the, just the most basic level, hey, we're playing a football game in the NFL. It's nice to come back and win, especially the way they did it. Uh, all right, when we come back, which games are we going to have our eyes on around the NFL this weekend? We're going to take you through our five-star games next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The NFL's best games as predicted by Ron Wolfley and Luke Lipinski, powered by FanDuel Sportsbook. All right, it is time for Five Star Games. It's Friday. We're going into week 14 of the NFL season. Uh, Wolf, I, I have two. And then you I have, have a two, couple huh? fringy ones. The, the game I'm most interested in isn't even, I, I, I don't think I can, can call it a five-star game, but it's the one I'm most interested in this weekend. Okay, so typically a five-star game, ladies and gentlemen, um, it's got to be a couple of the best teams in the league. They've got to be fighting maybe for some type of dominance. Um, and there's storylines that go with it. All of this comes together to formulate what I believe are five star 
games. You know what? I'm, I'm doing a little switch here. I'm moving one. This is unheard of in five-star game history. I'm taking okay. one of the five-star games and demoting it. Okay. And I'm moving the game I want to watch most up into five-star game territory. Okay. Why don't, why don't you start, then? You All just right. go ahead, man. What is that game you just moved off? Well, the one I moved up? Yes. Is Dolphins Chargers. Wow. On Sunday night football. It's Tua versus Justin Herbert. That's been a debate since they were both drafted. The Dolphins are 8-4. and four. They should be okay, but they just got handled by San Francisco, and 8-4 and four is not a given to make the playoffs in the AFC, so they need the game. The Chargers at 6-6 six and six are done if they lose the game. And I just, that's going to be an entertaining football game. We've had some primetime games this year, more so Monday night games, where they're just like, great, it's been 9-7 for three hours. I think this is going to be a good game on Sunday night. Okay, you know, it's clearly a four-star game. I knew you were going to say that. Basically, just clearly a four-star game. Uh, my five-star game, there's only one five-star game. And even that, um, I'm kind of pushing the envelope. Okay, but the underdog did win the first meeting, if we're talking about the same game here. Philadelphia? Oh, at, no. We're at not. the New York That's Giants. That's the one I moved down. How about, oh, really? Yeah. There you go. Okay, no. I, I honestly think right now, this is it, isn't it? Well, the NFC East and the meeting thereof. The Philadelphia Eagles at 11-1. Aren't you rolling right now? You're going to go play New York in the Big Apple against the Giants at 7-4-1 right now. What are we going to get? Because the one thing you're going to get when you play the Giants is a physical, physical football game. That's who they are. They might not be great. But they are a physical team, I think, for the most part, on both sides of the ball. The Philadelphia Eagles, 11-1. All is well. Can the Giants pull the upside? After that game last week where I thought, I didn't even necessarily think Tennessee would win, but I thought they would keep it close and Philadelphia beat them 35-10. I have a hard time thinking a team that, that can't score is going to beat <laughs> Philadelphia. But look, like you said, the Giants keep most of these games close. So, I mean, that's, to me, a four-star, borderline five-star okay. game. There you go. The game I'm surprised neither one of us has brought up yet is Jets-Bills because the Jets have already beaten Buffalo once this season. And the Jets, if the season ended right now, would be a playoff team. Now, I will say this caveat, though, Wolf, at the end of this, I don't think we're going to look back on this game as a five-star game. I think Buffalo's going to handle them this time. Boy, that is interesting right there. I think it is a four-star game. I had that as a four-star game. So are you done with your five stars? I'm I'm done with my five-star games. And of the three games we talked about, I think when we come in here on Monday, Dolphins-Chargers will have been the best game of those three. Okay, interesting. Okay, a four-star game I have for you, Basinonians, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the San Francisco 49ers right now. Man, very interested to see if Tampa Bay can get above 500 before the end of the season. I don't know about that. The 49ers right now playing the best football they've played in every game at every position save for one quarterback. (laughs) Who knows what's going to happen with the 49ers going forward right now. Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy. I'm rooting for Brock Purdy as a local product. And plus, too, just even if he wasn't from here, I'd be rooting for it. It's a great story. Third-string quarterback. You're talking about Mr. Irrelevant, the last player drafted in the NFL draft. Here we go. 
Can you do it, Brock Purdy? Because every snap gets defensive coordinators one snap closer to figuring you out. Uh, I like that game from from that storyline's perspective. I will just, and I'm going to be pretty consistent with this until they get eliminated. Every Buccaneers game for me from now on is is a one star game. Wolf, I'm so out on this this storyline of Tampa Bay sneaking into the playoffs at eight and nine, <laughs> winning that trash division, and then going on a run in the playoffs. And, and we're going to have to hear weeks and weeks of Tom Brady. What an amazing underdog story. Now Brock Purdy would be an underdog yes, story. Tom agreed. Brady, I just, no, you've you've had your fun. Uh, other games that I'm kind of interested in, though. This is not a four. It's maybe not even a three. But uh, as much as Joe Burrow owns the Chiefs, he's not done well against the Browns. So Bengals-Browns, the, the Battle of Ohio, Cleveland is basically done. But, you know, they've got the Deshaun Watson thing now, so he looked horrible in his first game, but you figure he's going to get better. And Cincinnati's just even just to kind of keep an eye on Cincinnati now at 8-4, and four, that, that to me is worth watching. Yeah, you know, can I just go back as well to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and going to the other Bay, San Francisco, of course. Can you imagine, here you are, Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy. And, oh, that's Tom Brady. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I almost feel bad for the kid. And and Ah, from what I understand, from what I understand, he's got an awful lot of uh, swag for a guy that was the last player drafted in the NFL (laughs) draft. Just a couple months ago, He's got a lot of swag, from what I'm told. Very interesting, this matchup. But anyways, I digress. Okay, well, I had the Dolphins and the Chargers as well as a four-star game. Can I go to a three-star game here quickly? Yeah, we got one we need to talk about. I hope this is the one you're going to. Minnesota. Yeah. at Detroit. Why do you say that, man? Why? You understand Detroit's favorite in that game, right? <laughs> Vegas no, Vegas has less respect for the Vikings than I do. Can you imagine if you are a Minnesota Viking and here you are at 10-2 and two, 10 and, two. and you're going to play the 5-7 and seven Detroit Lions you're underdogs to and the you're Lions. underdogs. That's not right. That's not right. Well, okay, so when I, th- when I hear that, what do you think of? I think immediately of Kirk Cousins. Well, it's not a primetime game. It's 11 in the morning, so Cousins will show up. Minnesota's a better team than Detroit. If this were a playoff game, if you tell me that the Vikings have the the primetime playoff game in the first round or the second round, I don't even care who the other team is. I'm probably, I shouldn't say I don't care because it might be the commanders <laughs> or giants this year. But once they start playing like legitimate contenders, I'm taking the other team. But Sunday morning against the Lions, come on, man. Minnesota's 10-2. and two. Give them a little respect. Luke, how do you say that, though, when once again, this is Vegas we're talking about, and well, this is Vegas. They they are saying the Minnesota Vikings are underdogs in this game. They yeah, know Vegas. when the start time is. I, they yeah. know everything you just said. Why? The disrespect of Kirk Cousins is palpable. Yes. Vegas is always right, though. So if Detroit is a two-point <laughs> favorite, I can tell you right now, it's either going to be Lions win by one or uh, or three, right? It's going to be one of those, like, it's always within a point or two of whatever Vegas says. The one thing I will say is this right now. The Detroit Lions, and I give Dan Campbell an awful lot of credit, and you know he can't cry, and it really bothered me when he was crying, okay? After they lost the game. Last crying. Game. Yeah. Yes. 
Um, well, he also cries in front of his team. Well, <laughs> that, you know, that at some point in time, you, you can't cry in front of your team. Oh, no, they're five and seven now. They I mean, Jim Hannafin cried once in 1985 in front of the team, and that's when things got sideways. Was Sean Payton there as a ball boy? He um, was, right? No, he was oh, not. He wasn't there then? No, okay. this right. was during the regular season. Oh, okay. He cried. All right. Uh, you realize Detroit has won four or five. The one loss was to Buffalo on Thanksgiving, which was a game they almost won. And I don't want to bring this back up, but they're only two games out of a playoff spot behind Seattle, who yeah. looks far from stable, you know, as a playoff team. Look, Detroit's not making the playoffs, but I'm just saying at five and seven, you're you're in it. Hey, let me tell you, the the Lions are a physical bunch. They demand that from their players. If you're gonna if you're gonna go ahead and you're gonna put the Honolulu blue on with the silver, with a lion on your helmet, you better ball out. You better be physical, or you're not going to be on the roster. I don't care if you're the holder for extra point field goal. You're not going to be on the roster. What was the line from Hard Knocks? They, from uh, Dan Campbell, it took like four minutes. The 2022 Detroit Lions can and will. And will. And Maloney said it about... 500 times faster than Dan Campbell did at the end of the, the last episode. They asked him, okay, what are the 2022 lines? And he's paused for like a minute and a half, and then he said, that's what, that's what we are. We can and we will. And none of us knew what it meant, and I'm not sure I do now, but they have won four out of five. Uh, we come back. How does the Cardinals' offense match up against this Patriots' defense? We'll get into that. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.